Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp. I hope you're ready for the next episode, Bob, as we jump in. And today, with some trepidation and fear, I bring in one of my oldest friends that I've known longer than my wife. So the trepidation and fear is because I've known him longer than my wife. And so he's he's seen me through all the things. And the the one thing, the two things that bring me peace and comfort is, is one, knowing that, one, I get to be in charge of editing, and two, that the Holy Spirit has done a great work in the both of us over the last 20-plus years. So I'm excited, Bob, to bring on my good friend, Dr. Casey The Chin Williams. Oh, hidden by this glorious beard, your podcast audience can appreciate it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Casey, introduce yourself to us real quick. Yes. Like Jim has said, man, we've been friends for 22 years, and uh, but uh, by God's grace, we have survived, and we're alive, and we love Jesus more than we did then, yes. and that's a good thing. Yes. Yeah, so married to Kate. We've been married for uh, 17, 16, 17 years. Got four kids. Oldest is 20. She adopted from Ukraine, and then 11, 6, and 1, and about to begin the process of fostering here soon, waiting on DSS to give us our approval. So just have a heart for the fatherless and uh, a pastor at North Chatham Baptist Church in Columbia, South Carolina. I've been here for five years. Did a previous stint of about 15 years in student ministry. Did two years, almost three years as a groups pastor, associate campus pastor of Big Mega Church. I've served at every kind of model church from the rural country church to the, you know, the, the college city church, the downtown First Baptist Church to the multi-site mega church. And so um, I've kind of gotten to uh, drive this old hoopty up and down the roads in a lot of different areas, but I'm grateful for the where the Lord has us now. So All the way from our first time working together in Possum Neck, Mississippi. Possum Neck, that's right. So, which is, I mean, a whole, we could do a whole, the, the rise and fall of Central Hills. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> How does a city get the name Possum Neck? It's not a city. Let's just be honest. Okay. It's not. A, it's a community. Okay. And uh, usually if there's a, if your name is Possum Neck, it has something to do with a possum and a neck. And you don't want to know anything past that. <laughs> you just want to leave it there. Oh, man. There was hot coffee, Possum Neck. Yeah. Hey, man, I've been in South Carolina for five years, though. And there's, there's just as weird places here. And there's weird places all across the world. I mean, it doesn't matter where you go. Oh, yeah. You got... You got fun cultural nuances everywhere you go. <laughs> well, hey, man, I'm just, I'm excited. You know, first time caller, long time listener. I mean, I am stoked about the re. I just figured the only time I was going to get on this replant podcast is replanting a church. So I just jumped on it. So let's do that so I can get on the podcast. Well, we, we encourage everybody. That's the, that's the single motivation. It really is the credibility. I don't care. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, just replant a church so you can get on the podcast. That is the worst posture, which is why you're going to lead into this next topic of uh, pursuing church health. And so the real posture of church health. So you are pastoring North Trenum, which you've gotten to lead through a revitalization effort through a fun process of changing the bylaws, which may be a whole other podcast episode one day. Woo. All sorts of fun things. And now that you guys have been stabilized a little bit and healthier, and, it's, and God has shown some great favor there. Mm. 
you are taking on the opportunity to foster a uh, struggling church. How far from North Trenum is the church that you guys are looking at this partnership with? About eight miles, about seven or eight miles away from us. So, Yeah, and you were able to send uh, your potential replanter down to the MI Replanter Conference in New Orleans, right? That's right. Yep. He came down, him and his wife came down for the IM Replanter. And then that Sunday following, he actually met with the church and uh, they voted uh, a few weeks, uh, two weeks ago, 50 to zero to accept the proposal. So we are, he starts today. Today is his first day as the replanting pastor. So. Wow. He's gone. Wow. Good, man. That's awesome, Casey. When you guys were thinking about fostering in this situation, what are some things that, I mean, how? that's one of the questions we get a, a lot of times is a strong church, healthy church often says, man, I, I want to get in the game. Right. How do I go about it? How, tell us the backstory. How did you guys get involved with this church? Yeah, great. Nice. Thanks, Bob. We, so I, I really came in North Trenum with a heart towards revitalization. I just had a, you know, I, I was at this big mega church and they just wanted me to move towards church planting. And I have an entrepreneurial side of me, so I, I love that. You know, some of the best church uh, church planters are old youth pastors because we learn how to bootstrap with nothing and do anything and everything we can with the pennies we can save to do it, you know? And so, and so I had, a, I had a huge heart for it, but I just had a burden for like the established church and really felt like if God put a footprint in a community that we shouldn't lose that, we shouldn't lose that opportunity to really affect a community of kingdom investments. And so, so knew I was going to go into a revitalization type role. I really thought that's kind of what we were coming into. We've kind of, it's really, Jim and I've talked about it. It's, it was a replant. It was a revitalization that really turned into a replant because we're really not the same church. We've re, you know, voted on new bylaws, complete new mission, vision, strategy of the church. We are, we're a church that is strategic about reaching our diverse community. And so really one of the key points for us, the, I think the real, the burden is about five years ago, the, the really the vision for the church that came out was we want to see our city know Jesus, our church make disciples, and the gospel reach the nations. Really, with that kind of drum that we started hitting for five years, the culmination of that has been, so we have a huge heart for the city, meaning sister churches in our city that need help. So over the years, we have continued to send out preachers. I mean, we've got uh, man, God has really blessed our church, and we're not a big church. I mean, we we run, you know, four or five hundred people, and so we got six hundred and fifty in membership. So we're not like this big multi-site mega church. We're just this kind of normal size church, and so we just started sending out like the people who could preach to go fill pulpits. People who churches that had interims, we'd send out people who could fill that role. If there was a youth ministry opportunity, we would send out teams to go do that. We actually sent teams to Jacksonville when Jimbo was at his church to host their Disciple Now and their summer camp for their students. So we just have a heart for the established church. So really it was through that, Bob, that we kind of said, okay, well, God's kind of stabilized us. We're in a posture now that like we could come alongside of a church and help them. And so uh, through James Nugent and the state convention at South Carolina, reached out to them and said, hey, if there's any churches in our city that need help, if we can help, if we can be of service, we want to, because really our vision as a church is to see our city know Jesus. And uh, that means healthy churches in all across our city need to be, you know, sharing the gospel, making disciples, living on missions. So that's kind of that's kind of how it happened. That's really good. I think one of the, the key points that Casey made in that story was 
just the fact that his church began to really ask God what he wanted their church to do. Right. And it came, it came from a desire to, and the, and these are like the, the top goals, like the 60,000 foot goals, right. To see the gospel proclaimed, to see churches strengthened, those sorts of things. Interestingly enough, you didn't say we just had a vision to be a campusing church. Right. And I think that's really key right, right there. Cause a lot of, a lot of what I hear some, in some places, unfortunately, is somebody just goes, man, I think I want a campus. Right. And that, and that may come from what you just said, but often that's not what you hear. And I think one of the key things to pay attention to is what do you say first, right? How do you describe the story? How do you, you, how do you cast your vision? Because that's really what's about. If it's just to expand your church's footprint, then you've got a my kingdom mentality, not the kingdom mentality. So I think there's a differentiation. I mean, I appreciate the heart behind that. That's really good. Yeah. One of the things we really have tried to be, mindful of is even with COVID, we made a decision to move into a single service church uh, with the sole purpose of planting and replanting churches when we get to a capacity. And so even in that kind of, or calling or collaboration, one of the things that we've really done in our church for the last few years is like, we've shared the pulpit with pastors in our city. We publicly pray for churches all the time. We pray for pastors by name and churches, even in our membership process, at the end of our process, we literally say, okay, maybe now you know how the sausage is made and you may feel like this is not the church for you. And listen, we are friends with churches all across the city and there may be a church that's better fit for you. And so we want to help you get plugged into the church that you're looking for. And we may not be it. So we have literally, we have literally referred other to other churches members who are looking for a different expression of church. But the only way to do that though is to have relationships with those churches and to and to be able to be able to reference them and not just say, well, there's a church down the street. No, I could say specifically, hey, this specific church has that same heartbeat that you have. And this is the kind of people that you need to be with. But that only comes through relationships. And I'm just a big, I'm a missiologist. I have a big heart to build a network and uh, you know relationships in the city. And so that's part of the reason why this burden for like, hey, our church, if we helped plant and replant churches in our city, and let's say there's 10 churches of 100, that's healthier for the city of Columbia than our church having a 1,000. Like, without question, it's more opportunity for discipleship. It's more opportunity for uh, evangelism. It's more opportunity for uh, leadership development. It's more opportunity for pastoral care. It's more opportunity for neighboring. And so we just really said like, hey, we don't want to grow this big thing. We don't want campuses. We don't want multi-sites. That's not our, and I understand, like I, I've served in churches just like that. I understand the, the model of ministry and the methodology people apply to that. And praise God, God uses all of that. But for us uniquely where we are at North Trenum, and because of my experience, I think the healthiest way forward is to help these churches become healthy, gospel-centered, mission-focused, and autonomous in their own communities. Yeah, I think, one of the great things that you have done is begin with a posture of partnership of already just helping fill pulpits, already sending mission partners. And that's that's one of the things that I often tell churches when they say, hey, yeah, we want to jump in. We want to help is, I mean, you got to you got to start with just doing the activity of partnership. Start with that posture of partnership. Uh, a mentor of mine said, never nominate a deacon that doesn't already deacon. Amen. And so uh, in that same way of man i think if you if you want to be a church that partners with other churches then be a church that partners with other churches 
And to be a to be a church that partners with other par- par- churches means that you've got to be a pastor who has a relationship with other pastors. All right. So I got a question. As as you guys are developing this and getting ready, what do you need to develop to be prepared to partner? What do you What do you need to be ready for this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's of course it's a, the 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 posture again starts with the heart, right? Like, so it is this. You know, the old gypsy evangelist who said, like, Lord, I, I want to see revival, then draw a chalk circle around yourself and pray that God changes everything inside of it. You know, like I would say, like, it first and foremost has to start in, in like internally. So there has to be this, you know, heart for saying, God, I really believe in the kingdom and not just my clan, like Spurgeon would say. Like, I really want to see the the, the big C church thrive and survive. And, and, and like we hear often is like, and if revival takes place in a church that's not mine, will I still celebrate? And so I think that that kind of kingdom mentality, which I, I've told people for years, I believe that like, like to be kingdom, because a lot of people want to drop that word out, like, oh yeah, we're kingdom minded, we're kingdom minded. Right. But I think like to be kingdom minded means that you have to be sacrificially intentional. Like, so you have to be willing to sacrifice something and do sacrifice something that you need to give up and do something that you didn't necessarily intend on doing. And and really that's the posture of like kingdom mindedness, which means like if a pastor's, you know, one of the, one of my dearest brothers, he just moved away from the city, but He's now a pastor in Chattanooga. But I remember like when we were going through a tough time in our in our home with one of our children, like he said, meet me downtown on Main Street and let's just pray together. Right. And so I met him downtown. And this dude's a big time author, you know, published dude who's out there, respectable, you know, and the and he like made time to just pray with me. Right. And and those kind of the reciprocity of that. Right. So because he knew that I did that with him. And so I think that the posture of available, making sure that you're available. And when you say you're available, you actually like don't have to call your assistant to get on my calendar. Right. Because I think that's the most frustrating, really. Like, hey, man, you look at the time. OK, hey, we'll have your assistant call my assistant. Like, uh, dude, because last time I checked, the person who controls my calendar is me. <laughs> so I'm going to put time on my calendar for you because I believe in you and our relationship is that important. No. And so I do think that there's an intentionality. I think that there's a posture of relational and, and, and relationship with no desire for ROI, right? Like I genuinely care about this person. I may never get anything out of them because that's not, that's not relationships. Like that's investments, and so I think that the posture of like to really be partnering, you have to say like, so in this conversation that we had with this church here recently, it's been like, hey, if this, if if we fail at this, we've never done this before, but if we fail at this, at least we can say we tried and we honored you in the process. And, and really they were grateful for that. And I think that, that earned equity, that earned trust. And the truth is, is that a lot of people build relationships because again, Bob, what you were referencing, like a lot of people would say like, well, I'm going to start, I want to reach out to this church because I really have a dream about this area and this specific demographic. So I'm going to start to build relationships with this pastor or church because, uh, and I'm going to start to send teams over there and start all this, because one day we want that church. Mm, yeah. And that's, that is, that is, that's a user mentality. Yeah. That's not a kingdom mentality. That's a user mentality. And so I think that there's like, 
I want to invest in people's lives because I because I see them as the imago day in which God has created them, and I believe in the ecclesia by which God has called them to lead. And so that's kind of my thought. And uh, yeah, let me let me ask you this question. So you you have mentioned getting prepared as a church and getting prepared even personally, like the stuff that you're just describing as a pastor of connecting and and making time in your calendar in terms of, of the obstacles to partnership. If you were to give me like two or three obstacles, like these are the things that get in the way of either uh, me wanting to partner with, with another church or a church thinking, eh, I need a partner. Like what, what are some of the obstacles you think that are out there are, are out there in terms of partnership? I think two of the big ones. And we say this a lot in our community is egos and logos, hmm. you know, um, but there's this, mentality of oh, this is all about him or this is all about them. And so that's, of course, the one of the biggest ones, I think. But honestly, the other part is just vulnerability and awareness, because I don't, I'm not vulnerable with people I don't know. And I'm not honest. I, I, can't, I can only be so honest with people that I don't trust, because if I open myself up to that, then I find myself sitting, you know, potential at risk, then manipulating that or, or using that against me. But that only come, but that, but that's what you have to do to build relationships. And that's what you have to do when it comes to partnering is like, Hey, let's just be honest here. Let's be open at the same time, you know, but that, and that only comes through time. You can't force that. In terms of, you know, types of partnership, we think of models, like there's campusing, adoption, fostering, you know, temporarily helping a church, all those sorts of things. Do you guys, have you identified one particular model? Are you open to partnership in a variety of models? How are you all figuring that out? I think, I mean, I understand the value of every model and I've done enough research on every, you know, expression of it. For us personally, it's definitely more of the fostering because our goal is to see uh, local autonomous gospel center mission focused churches for them to be centralized over our leadership actually goes against our own polity. Mm -hmm. And so because our polity is Jesus ruled, pastors led, elder accountable, deacon served, members affirmed, like we believe like that, uh, that same type of expression should exist in those specific locations. And so we don't want to like say, this is what we believe polity wise or church governance, but then like, but to appease this, so for their situation, like this church we're working with, the goal is, hey, you're going to suspend your bowels, come under our leadership until we can get you to a point where you're healthy. Because the truth is in a fostering relationship, just like a foster childhood, it's like you're, you're under our home to have protection and provision and care and nurture. But at the same time, you're not losing your identity. You're not our child, whereas my adopted child is my child, right? Mm -hmm. But the goal of my adopted child is for her to move out and become her own individual adult, right? Amen. Adult yourself, right? Amen. And so don't move back in my house, right? You know? But the goal is to send them out as an autonomous adult. And so I think that we forget that pastoral ministry is very much like parenting from the five, you know, as you, a newborn to a five-year-old to an adult child. And I, I always think, you know, when I was in the multi-site church model, I was always thinking like, they talked about the parenthood and all that stuff. And I was like, but when do you let your 27-year-old move out of your house? Why do you still grab control over them? So for us and our own polity, we believe, hey, we'll foster until they're ready. And at some point we'll, you know, hey, we agree to disagree. This is not going to work. And we let you do your thing. 
But right now it's been good and this is kind of our posture and the model that we believe is best. Awesome. So I think as you think through this and pursuing health, all of those questions are helpful to make sure that this is approached healthy. Here's what I'd say is, man, one of the most important things that I communicate with partner churches sometimes is you have to have a realistic expectation of what health looks like there. You are are usually coming from a position that didn't start as bad as the church that you're helping. And even if you did, it probably was long enough ago that you have forgotten really what that was like. And so just as a way of reminder, the things I know that you know, but the average church in America has 65 people in attendance on a Sunday morning. Churches under 250 in weekly worship average attendance comprise 88 just over 88% of all reporting Southern Baptist churches. The average attendance for all reporting Southern Baptist churches is 145, but the median is 70. Yeah. And there are under 1,500 SBC churches with more than 500 in attendance. And so all of those stats are from pre-COVID. Right. <laughs> and and so we don't really know what the current statistics are yet. Just, there's not enough data in there yet. So understanding that all the complications of bringing a dead church back to life pre-COVID showed this as a statistically really difficult process. You add the complexities of everything that's happened in the last two years, politically and pandemic-wise, and I mean, really the way it's been a disruptive moment in the way that society interacts with each other. And so how are you guys making sure that you keep realistic expectations and goals in mind for this being a healthy church? Yeah, I think one of the things that we drive home and I have tried to drive home here at our at our own church is healthy things grow. Right. Spurgeon said just because a church is large doesn't mean it's healthy. It might just be bloated. And I do think that. One of so one of the questions that was asked when we were at the uh, town hall with the other church, how how soon will we see results? That was the question, and I said, well, how fast does an oak tree grow? And he was like, uh, a long time. And I was like, well, then it may take a while, you know. How long? How soon will you see some work being done quickly? How soon will you see results? Who knows? We trust the Lord up to that, right? And so I do think that. Yes, I think there is such a methodological kind of drive that's happened in many of our in our circles and the way that we've been trained on how to do church, quote unquote. And it's all church growth metric oriented type stuff. And the problem is that stuff isn't sustainable. And a lot of our churches for generations have bought into that. So by, the byproduct of that is that we've continued to see the, 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 the drive downward in the attendance and the consumerism continue to drive up. And so I would say personally, like the things that have been staples of the church for 2000 years, the faithful preaching of God's inerrant holy word the faithful care of the body of Christ through the, the leadership that God has called to serve them and the faithful uh, mission of God living in and throughout its people through the advancement and the care and the humanitarian and the hospitality and all those pieces as part of the expression of that said church. And really that's it. 
right? And God has been able to sustain his church for 2,000 years by the very parameters we see that are prescribed in the scripture of what church is. So if we are so caught up on the church growth models and not the church health models, then we can then we will we will find bloating and indigestion inside of his church, you know? And the truth is, is like we'd rather be healthy than than because healthy things do grow. My children will grow, right? If I continue to nurture them, create environments for them, they will grow. It's just part of life. But if I focus on their growth and not on their health, then I can actually stump their growth and really damage their growth. Um, so we just really take an emphasis towards church health. And honestly, that's the posture that the church was kind of like, okay, you know, like, okay, so maybe we won't see this fast growth thing. But if we provide, if, if y'all are saying that these are the things that will be consistent, then we can see why God, how God can use this process for us to reorient ourselves and really focus on reaching our specific community, which is a substantially diverse community. And they're a substantially homogenous church. And so they're already starting to reevaluate, like, how do we as a homogenous Anglo church reach a 73% minority community? Because you focus on church growth, well, then you keep on doing the things that are going to grow homogenous churches, right? We can get into the whole homogenous community principle, and y'all call me back on that one. But the truth is, is like, we really want to reach this church, which means be a healthy church that reaches your neighbors, and you'll be surprised what what the Lord can do. He's done it for 2,000 years. (laughs) Pretty good at it. That's a good word. Healthy things do grow, but not all growth is good. Yeah, tumors grow really fast. <laughs> yeah, each of us have displayed in our midsections over the last 22 years some growth. It's not all healthy. And so I appreciate uh, you guys being willing to partner with this church and praying that God does some great things. We will put in the show notes a PDF document from the Resound Network out of Missouri for anybody that is considering partnering with another church. And here's what I love is... Don't wait till you're quote unquote a mega church. Don't wait till you're the healthiest thing in the world. I mean, this is this is Galatians six practiced in the body of Christ of coming alongside brothers and sisters in Christ in need and just helping them. So, man, if your church is even remotely headed in the right healthy direction, then start praying about this. And even if it's not, then start partnering because that's going to help your church be healthier, help the body be healthier. So you can check out that PDF there at the bottom. Thanks for being on today, Casey. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.